We've been alternating some of our, our speakers, and tonight I was kind of bragging about this individual, and it's my daughter. Um, because I remember when she was uh, seven years old, I think it was, she was obsessed with the Mother Teresa movie. And she would just watch it over and over and over. And it's, it was a really good movie, but after a while, even a good movie gets kind of old. And it's like, Lord, forgive me, but I'm about to throw that DVD out, you know? But she was so overwhelmed by the, the God's grace and the generosity and, and the missions that she did. It was actually part of the, her inspiration um, for missions work, um, so on and so forth. So early on, there was always a desire for God and his word. And I remember one night, I'm going to kind of tell on her a little bit, but it just kind of, I want to share the kind of heart of the speaker tonight. I remember, and it was kind of late and I went into the room and the light was on and I went in there and I said, hey, what are you doing up? And she started crying and she says, I can't, I can't hear from God. I, I, it's been a while. I, 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 I need to hear from God. And um, I don't know how old you were. You were probably 14, 15. And uh, she was upset because, you know, and I was like, baby, what, what's, what's occupying your thoughts? I mean, you, you have to kind of just kind of relax and and she goes, well, I, every time I get on the keyboard, I, I, I just, I just want to worship him, but nothing comes out and, and all these things. And there was this almost anxiety of, of wanting to, to not just speak to him, but to also be heard. Amen. And uh, this is the kind of life she leads. You know, I, I know she's a, um, a worshiper and she prays. She studies, and tonight is an honor to introduce uh, Genesis Carlton, a.k.a. my daughter, who will be bringing the word. I think you will be blessed. Amen. So uh, just give her a round of applause. Thanks. I'm going to steal my message already. <laughs> oh, I'm going to put this up. How's everyone doing? I'm not going to lie, I'm a little nervous, so just get this out real quick. Um, it's been, as, as I say, a hot second since I've been in this type of crowd. Usually we're, we're in the youth ministry, so we're speaking to the youths. Where my youth's at? What, what? That's what I'm talking about. Um, but I get the honor and privilege to speak to you tonight, and I'm super, super excited before we dive in, Jesus first, I'm going to pray because I need all the help I can get. <laughs> all right. Dear God, we just thank you so much for this evening. We thank you um, just for the opportunity to gather here together, Lord. Um, just as we've started this year about teaching in, in youth, God, and praying for countries, we know that there's some countries that aren't, that aren't fortunate enough to be able to gather like this, Lord. So we don't take it for granted. We don't take it lightly, God, but we thank you and praise you that we get to come together in unity, one mind and one accord, and just open the word together and dive in to see what the Father has to say tonight. So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. I pray that everything that is said and done tonight would be from you, God. I pray that, um, Father God, my, my mouth would... Um, utter only the things from the Father's heart tonight, Lord. And it, all my words would be cast aside, and it would be straight from the Father's heart tonight. So we thank you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So tonight, I'm actually going to be talking about 
um, something that I've kind of dealt with my whole life, um, especially with the story that my dad just shared. But um, up until recently, I finally put a name to it. And my aunt, all the way from, or I guess my aunt, yeah, all the way from Orlando, she um, was a part of the Women's Thrive, or Women's uh, Arise Conference. How many of the ladies in here got to attend that? And she spoke on Song of Solomon and speaking on the Devar. And that really, really, really spoke with me because there's been a lot of times in my life um, where I feel like I just can't hear from the Lord. I feel like I'm, I'm trapped and I'm, I'm in my own thoughts and I can't just set myself aside to be able to hear from him. Um, so I, when I heard this from, from her and, and what the Lord was sharing with her, um, it really touched my heart. So Devar in Midbar means the word in the wilderness. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. I'm going to go through some, some points about how to thirst for the Devar in Midbar, meaning how to thirst for the word in the wilderness. Yeah. Because it's in those times that you just don't know what to do. And sometimes we can start in stillness and then linger into stagnation. And when we get into the stagnation, there's no growth. There's no development. If you look at a stagnant pool of water, everything that's growing in there has no benefit whatsoever. But stillness is a choice and it's an action. And in that, the Lord can work through that. So we are going to be diving into that tonight. Um, and this is just a new way of understanding such an important phrase that impacted my life and I'm, I'm walking through that now, so I'm just going to be real, and I'm going to be raw with you all tonight, because I'm learning this as well. Um, so here we go. Um, so anytime I think of a desert season or, or a wilderness season, what I picture in my mind is this. Just completely dry, cracked, no source of life. Like in my mind, when I say I'm in a wilderness season with the Lord, this is what's in my mind. Um, so tonight, I want to dive into some truths and some myths about the wilderness. Um, and we're going to kind of break that down and see how not only we can survive in the wilderness, but thrive in it. Yeah. So in biblical times, the Hebrews would rejoice when one was called into the wilderness. Some might say that sounds, that sounds weird or that sounds interesting, but when they would be called into the wilderness... The people understood that they were being drawn there for a purpose and they would rejoice because they knew they would return from Midbar with Devar. They would return from the wilderness with a word from the Lord. And so we're going to go to Isaiah, and we'll say Isaiah. That's how they say it in Africa. Isaiah 43, 18. And it says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Yeah. So even in the wilderness, immediately when we think we're in the wilderness, we think we're alone, that there's no way out, there's no source of life. But it says clearly in Isaiah 43 that the Lord will make a way, and in some translations it says a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We see multiple times in Scripture that when 
the Israelites were in the desert for more years than God had had, well, more years than they had planned. God knew the plan. But more years than they had planned, God still provided. So in this scripture, I will make a road in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. So why is it that when we are in desert seasons with the Lord that we do not rejoice? And it's because we've been deceived into believing the myths of the wilderness instead of the truths. So we're going to dive into some myths of the wilderness tonight. There's going to be five of them that really stuck out to me. And to be honest, they're things that I say to myself when I am stuck in those times. So one of them is all I can hear is crickets. Like there's nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> it's like in the those live uh, comedy sitcoms like I Love Lucy or anything like that. It's like when they told a joke and no one was laughing, they would play the cricket sound. <laughs> like that's all I hear. <laughs> um, sometimes I can't hear him. Or I've done something wrong immediately with, with my people-pleasing posture. I'm like, God, I've done something to offend you. Just, just tell me what it is and I'll fix it. Like, just tell me. Um, so we, we think that we've done something wrong or that he's angry with us or that you're just completely lost. You took a, a wrong turn and you're like, this is my fault. I ended up here. I did something wrong. And these are all things that the enemy uses to keep us in that posture of stagnation in the wilderness to where we can't hear from the Lord because we're believing the lies that, that he's speaking over us. If we enter a wilderness season with the mindset that these myths are true, we have already prophesied over ourselves the outcome of that season. We have disqualified ourselves from the new thing that he wants to do, and we have forfeited the victory he had in store. Like it says in the Bible, which we're, we're going to get to that scripture, but power, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So when you think of those things, when you speak those things, you've already determined your outcome because the Lord will never trump our will. So that was the next scripture. <laughs> Jump my notes. Um, Proverbs 18:21. death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it eat its fruits. So I was doing this study, and if you, if you don't know, my, my brother just got married this past weekend, so. <laughs> um, so I was, like, planning three weeks ahead of time to get this, this sermon together and, and just sit down and actually be intentional with the Lord um, about about this specific word that he had for me. And while I was was in that, I was like, okay, God, like, I know you have something in this scripture. We hear it all the time, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I was thinking about it, and I got like a new revelation for it. I was like, babe, you have to come here. I like, I gotta show you something. And then I, when I get excited, I don't know how to put my words. So I typed it all up out of excitement. And then I was like, I need you to switch some words around so it makes sense. Because I was just like completely excited for what the Lord had shown me in, in this. So yeah. we all believe that we have power in our words, correct? Yes. Everyone believes, as Pastor Coates has taught, that everything begins with a seed, right? So imagine with me that you're in a wilderness season. You feel alone, you're thirsty, you're hungry for something or anything, and you have believed the myths. Your words in that wilderness season have created a seed 
and planted it. As you begin to meditate on those myths and lies, a tree begins to spring forth. And since you believe you have nothing in this season, the fruit of your tongue is rooted in disbelief and you will feast from a tree whose fruit is not communion with God, but distance because of a wrong belief that says God can't move in the midst of the wilderness. We, we try to, to force feed ourselves when we aren't getting things from God. We try to conjure up some, some manna, which again is not man-made. It was from heaven, right? We try to conjure up this, this something so that we can get filled. We can fill that void of feeling lost or alone in the wilderness when the Lord's like, I'm, I'm right here. You're eating from the wrong tree. When we feed ourselves out of our own strength, we turn what God intended for a season into a lifetime, much like the Israelites going from Egypt to the promised land. If you believe the lie that he has thrown you into the wilderness because you've done something wrong, you look for problems. But if you trust his nature, you'll only look for his presence. Sometimes we're so quick to judge what's happening on our own experience by our own experiences instead of looking at scripture. And we define the season by our problems. Um, and when we define the season by our problems, we've already lost. The season is always about the solution we're going to discover. So in the midst of the wilderness, what are truths that we need to hold on to? How do we maintain that thirst for Devar? So we've talked about the myths of the wilderness. All I can hear is crickets. All I I can't hear him. I've done something wrong. He's angry with me or I'm lost. Now the truths of the wilderness, he leads you there out of love. He's gracious. He wants to whisper to you. He desires that you seek him out and he longs to show you a new thing. One thing I've learned in the midst of these seasons, because I feel like the Lord puts me in the desert season, pulls me out, puts me in, pulls me out. Um, And one thing that I've learned through those seasons is how gracious he is. Because he he speaks so so sweetly and so tenderly, and, and I'm very much a person that, if I, if I do something wrong or if I don't feel confident in something that I, I get a little shaky in, in, in my self-esteem. I'm like, I'm sorry I let you down. I, I, I should have done better. I hold myself to a high standard. So in these, in these wilderness seasons when I feel that I have fallen short, he's gracious enough to pick me up and show me the correct way, to lead me to that road that he has designed in the wilderness, to lead me to those rivers that he has placed, because sometimes he puts you in the wilderness to seek out the well. Seek out the well so that you may drink from the living water, because you don't know how long that wilderness season is going to last. The portion in scripture where 
um, Elijah is being fed from, but with manna from the Lord. The Lord was feeding him so intensely because he knew that there was a season of wilderness that he was about to go into. So it's when God shows up in those moments of, of grace, of, of giving the, the living water, of, of feeding intensely that we shouldn't take them for granted, but we should have in our mind, okay, what is he preparing me for that he's feeding and giving me water so intensely right now? We're going to go to the scripture in Psalms 63, and we're going to read verse 1 through 8. And I have a lot of scripture, but I think this one's going to be our main one for this evening. In this portion of scripture, it says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. And when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. This passage, like I said, is going to be our main one for tonight. And I just learned while doing this, this preparing for this sermon, that David actually wrote this scripture in the wilderness of Judea. And if you see this, this is a picture of the wilderness of Judea. <laughs> and it absolutely blew my mind that, I mean, we don't know how long he was there for. We don't know his condition, if he brought food with him, if he didn't. But in this passage, there's, there's something that's such a longing from a, of a different perspective. There's a hunger from a different area. And when I saw this picture, it actually reminded me of... Um, South Africa, when we went there, I got the opportunity to hike, I think it was about 18 miles in three, in three days that we did in the Drakensberg Mountains, which was phenomenal. And there was one morning I was spending time with the Lord and I was like, you know what? Because I can, I'm just going to go outside and climb a portion of the mountain, just sit there by myself, just overlook everything. Um, and so I went up and I was sitting on the mountain. I was just looking and it looked kind of like this, but there was a lot more grass. <laughs> but I was sitting there, and it was from spending time with the Lord alone. I didn't bring any food. I didn't bring any water. I mean, it wasn't days, but it was a couple hours. <laughs> um, I got hungry when I was, got back. <laughs> but I was sitting up there with the Lord for, for a while, and it was in that that moment of my life that I was just like, you're, you're everything. Like, as, as much as I've climbed this mountain, you're so much more. As high as I am right now, you are so much more. 
And the song um, that's on the Sound of the House album, I believe, was actually written up in the Drakensberg Mountains at that point. Um, I was sitting up there, again, for I don't know how long, but I was just thinking about um, how much hiking we were doing that day, and it was like <laughs> being so deep into the mountain. We were probably like six or seven miles in, and I actually texted my dad a picture of my hands, and they were like three times the size of this. And he was like, can you put your hands in the air? Because <laughs> my, my hands were swelling so bad and my feet were hurting and I was just tired. And I was like, Lord, I can't do this. Like, I know this is for fun, but I can't do this. I'm tired. And it got to the point where it was like, if I turn back, it's going to be just as hard, if not harder than going forward. Right. And it was in that moment that I was like, I believe I can make it. <laughs> I'm gonna ma I have to make it like there's nowhere else to go and it just made me aware in, in my mind and in my spirit that I was like Lord if if there's a point in my life where I think I'm gonna turn back like the if you turn back there's no reward if you turn back it's it's a harder trail than going forward than climbing uphill and the Lord was showing me in that time like okay you were saying you know God, I need you to help me make it. God, I need you to help me do this. And by the end of the hike, I was like, God, you've made me equipped to be able to do this. And it's the change of perspective in the wilderness, especially when we get to the point of, of being at the end of ourselves. When we've given all we can and we're finally at our end, that's when God's like, all right, now it's my turn. Can I, can I come in now and, and do what I can do? Because we have such a tendency as human beings born into sin. We're like, no, I can handle it. No, I can do it my way. No, I can conjure up the answer. It's going to be fine. But when we're finally at the end of ourselves, the Lord is like, are you done now? And he steps in. He's like, now let me show you my power. Let me show you what I can do. So when David is writing this in the wilderness, while he's in this state of writing this entry, we see him longing for something so much more than just a piece of food, than just a drink of water. It comes from an inner part of his being that longs to thirst from the Lord. We see that he's entered into this season holding on to the truths about the wilderness because you can see it in his posture and in his words. Multiple times in scripture, God leads his people into the wilderness. David, in, in this passage, Moses to the burning bush, Abraham in sacrificing Isaac, and even Jesus after being baptized. And I was even thinking about it tonight when we were singing that last song. We think of Moses in the burning bush, and we think of you know how God spoke to him. And that burning bush was Jesus calling him out. Where was the holy ground located? In the wilderness. It was in the wilderness. And I never put that together until tonight when we were singing that song. And it's like, God, if you are leading me out into the wilderness, surely there's a portion of holy ground that you want me to stand on. In the book of Hosea, we see when, when God uses Hosea as an example for his people. When it's Hosea and Gomer, it says he leads her into the wilderness to speak tenderly to her. He leads her into the wilderness to speak tenderly to her. When we receive 
What we receive from these wilderness moments are never things we could have earned or conjured up. It's only things given to us when we follow the Holy Spirit into these seasons. And if you have been led into a wilderness season, it is because you are being set up for a tremendous victory. When Moses went to the burning bush, again, he stood on that holy ground and he was being led to call people out of their slavery, to lead them to the promised land. So what if in fact you are being led into this wilderness season for God to open your eyes to see a group of people that is your turn to lead out of slavery and into the promised land? Sometimes the wilderness season isn't about you. Sometimes it's about the people that God has in store for his kingdom that he wants to use you for. He doesn't need us, but he chooses us. The best comes out of the wilderness moments when we simply choose to stay close and value God's presence. So you may be thinking, okay, I know the truths, I know the myths, How do I survive? (laughs) So these are some things that I was thinking about and that the Lord was just revealing in these moments. And and kind of this, this surviving the wilderness is the application. So one is lean on your beloved. Two is have faith in the silence. Three is revisit your history. And four is feast on the fruit he has provided. In Song of Solomon 8, verse 5, it says, Who is that coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Trust him and lean upon him in the wilderness season. He desires that you be close to him and that you lock your gaze with his. There have been many times where where things have happened in Pastor Bailey and I's life, and my, <laughs> my dad and my mom can attest to this. I'm all about, when I was a kid, I would wake up and I'd be getting ready for school. I was like, all right, what's for dinner, mom? (laughs) She's like, you just woke up. I'm like, no, I need to know what the game plan is. I need a step-by-step, play-by-play. And even in marriage now, I was like, like even on the way over here, I was like, so what are your plans for tomorrow? (laughs) And I'm I'm a numbers person and I got to have it all figured out and and there's sometimes where I get inside my head so much that Pastor Bailey just like sits me down. And he's like, everything is going to be fine. Just look at me. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> and it's in those moments, as silly as it sounds, that when he, 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 he sits me down and he assures me and my gaze locks with his and the simplicity of it's going to be okay if we're worried about this and that or if, if if things aren't going the way we planned, and he sits me down and he's like, everything's going to be okay. God's going to provide. And he's never failed us yet. And it's in those moments that when, when the gaze is locked and there's assurance and confidence in his voice that I know, okay, everything's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. And you start to give yourself that, that pep talk because if there's, if there's a, a, a confidence and assurance in him, there's a peace that begins to wash over me. And as the priest of our home, if he says it's going to be okay, I know that he is going to do everything in his power to make it okay. Yeah. 
When you lock your gaze with the beloved, you know everything's going to be okay. When you lock your gaze, your heart begins to feel his character. As Peter walked on water, he walked on water because he had the locked gaze. It's as soon as it was broken that he began to sink and he began to fall because he started to second guess himself. But it was never about him. It was about the gaze and about the one who allowed him and gave him the power to walk on water. So lean on your beloved in the wilderness seasons because when you continue that locked gaze, there's nothing that you can't do. There's nothing that when he leads you through that you're not going to come out of it. He is always faithful. He's never failed you yet, and he will never fail you in the future. The second one is have faith in the silence. And when I was talking with my, my aunt, we kind of were brainstorming about this, and I went to her, and I was like, all right, I need some, 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 some info on, on the, the Midbar, in Div- or the Devar in Midbar. I was like, I need some, some assistance, some wisdom. And one thing she said that I thought was so powerful, and I know my dad will like this, because Bailey, when he was reading, he was like, oh, man, that's good. <laughs> Faith is the substance of the kingdom. The silent treatment is something that is so difficult to project onto the Father. And again, when he's silent, we immediately think we've done something wrong. But if he's silent, most of the time, it's because he's already spoken. We have faith. Because that is what the kingdom resides in. You have faith that he's spoken over you. He's not going to lead you into the wilderness for you to just be be stuck there. He's not going to be silent when he knows that you need a word from him. Again, my aunt said this too. I'm just going to quote you on this one as well. She said, you are his bride and his voice will not be denied. No matter What you are going through, he will always, always, always make it top priority for you to know he is present. The king is in the room. He will make himself known. So have faith in the silence because it's not a bad thing. Third one is revisit your history. Sometimes when the Lord is silent, it's because he wants us to revisit our history. And oftentimes in the Bible, when God did something for his people, memorials and altars were built. Right? right? We see in, I was just listening to it today um, with uh, the audio Bible. I was reading in the book of Genesis when um, Abraham sacrifices Isaac and and the lamb is caught in the thicket and the lamb becomes the sacrifice and in There, the place, um, Abraham then made a memorial, and he said, this is the place where God provides. And where did he take him? Into the wilderness. Most of these altars, most of these memorials that you see in Scripture were built in the wilderness, and they were given a name in the wilderness. Those places of desolation were given a name because it was there that God did something. Maybe God has you in a wilderness for you to build a new altar. 
for you to give a name to something that might as well have been desolation, might as well have been a, a dead land, but you stepped in with the authority and power and knowing the truth of the wilderness, and you then gave that name, uh, that place a name. Because when you look back at the beginning of scripture and the Lord says to Adam, I have given you dominion, now go name them, talking about the animals, that's not just animals here and now, but it's talking about, I want you to call it out by name. I want you to give this a name. So in our wilderness seasons, when we revisit our history, we get to look back and see if God did it then, and if he did it then, and if he did it then, who's not to say he's going to do it right here? Because I've seen the faithfulness, I've seen the hand of God, and I can call those places by name so that I know what he is going to do for me ahead. So revisit your history because I'll tell you what, it will catapult you from 40 years into the desert to a short season because you know why God has you there. Going back and revisiting your history with the Lord gives the opportunity to remember his faithfulness and goodness. And one thing that I also learned going through this that my aunt shared with me was in in the, the biblical times when the Hebrews would go and they would remember, it was actually a form of worship. And it was, it was remembering, it was capturing the very thought and bringing it forth and reliving it. So when you revisit your history and you remember what God did, he wants you to capture that very thought, bring it forth. He wants you to relive that moment so that it empowers you to see what he can do ahead. Bill Johnson said this, and I absolutely love this. Bill Johnson is like one of my, aside from Pastor Coates, one of my favorite preachers to listen to. (laughs) Gotta give honor where honor is due. (laughs) What you honor moves towards you. Amen. (laughs) So Bill Johnson said this. He said, if you revisit with affection, not trying to conjure up something or trying to manipulate, but you revisit with thankfulness for the God that met you there in that particular burning bush, something gets ignited. It is when we lean, er, when we learn to steward our moments that we realize that anytime we come into a place of silence, all that he is doing is helping direct our soul into where his voice is still active. I mean, we can leave it right there. So good. I absolutely loved that. And I love that he, he talks about, again, bringing it back to the burning bush and reigniting. Reigniting that and showing us where God's voice is still active. When we revisit those altars and realize that he, what he said then is what he's saying now and what he did then is what he can do now, we ignite that altar and begin to praise and thankful and Praise in the thankfulness that my God will come through. Praise comes in the midst of the wilderness because he is always faithful. In Psalms 141 verse 2, it says, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And if we look back in Psalms 63 4, 
It says, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift my hands. And in that passage, it says the lifting up of hands is, is the lifting up of hands as a child reaches up to be held. A, a, a posture of, I just want to be close to you. That's all I want. I just want to be close. I just think of, you know, when, when Pastor Michelle or Pastor Meredith go to reach down to Hannah or, or Hannah does it first and she reach, reaches up, it's just because she wants to be close. Yeah. There's protection that's felt when you pick up your child and you hold them close, the child feels protected. They can feel the very heartbeat of the one who gave them life. And it, it makes you feel, feel close and safe. And in this passage, when it says, I will bless you as long as I live, in your name I will lift up my hands. When we lift up our hands in thankfulness, he brings us close. He brings the very fabric of heaven down to us so that we can feel the very heartbeat of the Lord and feel that safety in the wilderness. And last, we feast on the fruit that he's provided. Yes. In Song of Solomon 8.5, we're going to continue reading that. It says, Who is that coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Under the apple tree I awakened you. There your mother was in labor with you. There she who bore you was in labor. And in this passage, while the bride is in the wilderness, we see this apple tree pop up, and she's awakened by her beloved. And in this passage, the significance is is just was just mind-boggling to me. The tree represents the cross and the apples represent the finished work of the cross. So her beloved has placed her to rest under the safety of the cross and has awakened her to feast on the finished work of the cross. And if you read through the Song of Solomon, she wasn't hearing a lot, but she was being fed by the word, by the manna. She was meditating on it, which meant to chew and chew and chew. The apple tree is a place of intimacy, rest, and trust, and he brings you there in the midst of the wilderness to feast on his word. It is in this place of refining our focus to rediscover what he has been so sweetly speaking over us. The wilderness is a place where the Lord draws us close when we believe the truths instead of the myths and the lies, we not only survive the wilderness, but we thrive in it. And if you are in this season or have been, be reminded of the truths. Rejoice in it because you will come out receiving your devar in Midbar. So this is just, again, sharing my heart with something I'm learning and going through right now. By all means, I'm... And I'm no expert in any of these areas, but it's something that I'm learning with the Lord because, again, there's been so many times in my life where the Lord has brought me into the wilderness and out and back in and back out, and I will be the first to admit I have grown stagnant in the wilderness. There's times where I've thrown up my hands and I'm like, God, I don't know what else to do, and I just sit there. And there's a difference between sitting there and there's a difference between stillness. And I'll be the first to admit, there's been times I haven't been still. But it's in those moments, it's in the, 
be learning of how much he longs to give you that word in the wilderness that you realize the value and the truth that can be can be shown in the wilderness and he brings you into the wilderness not so that you can be defeated by the enemy but so you can defeat the enemy he brings you into the wilderness because he wants to be right here whispering to you instead of competing with the crowds that you have surrounded yourself with. So when God has brought you into those seasons, think about and, 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 and shift the perspective because so many times we automatically go to those myths. We automatically go to the lies and we allow ourselves to become susceptible to what the enemy has said, why we were placed there, and, and who do you think you are that you can be like Jesus and hear from the Father in the wilderness? No, I was made in Christ. The very man that rose from the dead now resides in me, so if he lives in me, he can speak to me and through me no matter where I'm at. So I pray that in, in these moments, in these wilderness seasons, that, that wherever you may be in life, whether you're in a wilderness season or you're not, I pray that the Lord would show you so sweetly how he just wants to speak to you and how he just wants to be close. I pray, God, tonight that we would just incline our ears, Father, to your voice. Father, that we wouldn't try to, again, conjure up something just so we can hear something to hear it, but that we would be so, so thirsty and so hungry for your word, God. Lord, I pray that you would move in the midst of the wilderness, God. Just as you said in your word, you weren't in the fire, you weren't in the earthquake, you weren't in the wind, but you were in the still, small voice. And God, tonight, whether we are in the wilderness, whether we're not, whether we're going into that season, God, I pray that we would look for the whisper. God, I pray that if you call us to the apple tree, Lord God, that we would sit underneath it, rest, and we would just feast on your word. God, that you would bring us to a point that we no longer desire what we can we can do for ourselves but we only desire the living water we only desire the the food and the and the bread of life that only comes from your word and from your voice god lord we thank you for how you can move in the wilderness and we pray tonight father god that you would soften our hearts to hear the whisper we thank you for what you're doing lord we we know, Father God, that you have not abandoned us, you have not forsaken us, but you are always with us, and you desire so much to reveal a new thing to us. So God, I pray that our gaze would be locked on you tonight, God, that we would walk hand in hand and lean on you as our beloved in the wilderness, that when we have no more strength, when we think all we have left, Father God, is is just a, a weak prayer or, 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 or not even a song to sing, Lord God, I pray that we would just lean upon you, Lord. Father, that in our weakness, you would be made strong and that you would get the glory and the honor and the praise. And when we walk out of that wilderness season, Lord God, we would walk into a promised land, not just with us, but with others who have followed Jesus. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. We thank you and we praise you.